All right, so we're going to be losing people if we continue to do what we do. And if we don't do what we do, then what do we do? Well, the pace of operations this year is considerably higher than last, leading to a 75% increase in significant events such as firefights and weapon seizures, says the NATO spokesman, Lieutenant Commander Ian Baxter of the British Army. And he spells his name I-A-I-N. That's no way to spell Ian, but of course... Who am I to say? NATO forces have reduced airstrikes, which accounted for 61% of the civilians killed by NATO and Afghan forces last year. Okay, they've reduced the airstrikes, but the airstrikes were supposed to be part of some sort of effective uh, plan, right? We had this strategy, airstrikes, take them out. No, it turns out, killing too many civilians, no more airstrikes. Nonetheless, four people were killed by NATO troops recently when their bus driver ignored warnings to stop or slow down as he overtook a NATO convoy. The incident prompted an anti-American protest. Yeah, uh uh-huh, not the first and not the last of those. No system is 100% guaranteed, and regrettably, in a very small number of incidents, the warnings are ignored and the lethal force is used, Baxter said. Oh, night raids are another risk, Mm -hmm. said a member of the... uh, Afghan Human Rights Commission. In February, NATO and Afghan troops searching for a Taliban member killed five civilians in a night raid. In response, McChrystal ordered troops last month to avoid night raids on homes when possible. And on and on. A massacre, a response. A massacre, we won't do that anymore. Let's do this. Another massacre. At at a certain point, all we're going to be able to do is build schools. And we're having trouble with that also. Okay, that's the Afghan war. How about the war at home? Computer networks essential to the Pentagon and military are attacked by individual hackers, criminal groups, and nations hundreds of thousands of times every day, according to the officer uh, nominated to lead a cyber warfare command. Hundreds of thousands attacks a day? Lieutenant General Keith Alexander said that one crucial reason that that Defense Secretary Robert Gates created a cyber command was the amount of attacks we're seeing coming into the Defense Department gateways every day. Cyber command. I was in the Army. I went in the Army in 1963, Fort Dix. You know, M1 rifles and... People in my barracks just can't wait to get to uh, Vietnam and be helicopter pilots. I'm looking at them, and all I'm seeing is skeletons. But, you know, it was canteens and bullets and tear gas and all this stuff. Oh, if there had only been a cyber command. Basically, a room full of gamers and nerds and hackers and people wearing thick glasses. Now, that's my idea of being in the Army. Uh, Senator Carl Levin, the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, said the new command, Cyber Command, quote, warrants careful scrutiny because, quote, capabilities to operate in cyberspace have out paced the development of policy, law, and precedent. Why am I not surprised? You come up to somebody like over 45 and you say the word computer and their eyes begin to roll back in their head. If you say things like cyber command, firewalls, spiders, bots, viruses, they will vomit and pass out in front of you. So that's that's where the culture is right now. Uh, Levin again. This policy gap is especially concerning, he said, because cyber weapons and cyber attacks potentially can be devastating, approaching weapons of mass destruction in their effects. Okay, we get another Bush coup. Some Bush light comes to office, right? So he's going to what? Lie about the cyber attacks. So we can go in and invade where? Well, some of the biggest viruses in the last couple of years have come from the Philippines, 
Pakistan and India, right? Most of these people writing these bad viruses are 12 years old, living with their parents, and working on a used Intel. But nonetheless, it may be necessary to drop cyber command on their head. Well, stay tuned. genuflexual aromas in seeding the atmosphere at the Vatican Lounge. Those cheerful entrepreneurs smiling, all the while plastering the facade. Lattes, brioche, stracciatella e fongioli, blending the flavors by association. Madrid. 
la tocha, la puerta del sol. In the 60s, there was a taverna in the cider district called Café Coco. It was downstairs below a big stone building at the rotunda. Their specialty, Spanish cider. A cold fermented cider of apples from Aragon. The waiter, pouring from a pitcher held high overhead in one hand to a glass held behind his back in the other, not missing a drop but splashily filling the bottom quarter of the glass with a bubbly foam. Toma pronto. Toma pronto. Drink quickly before the foam disperses, before it's undrinkable. Then the cheese. Queso de cabrales. A slab of yellow granular cheese on a plate, served with a small fork. Another specialty served only here at the Café Coco. In the dim light of the room, the cheese appeared unstable on its plate. A closer look indicated it was actually moving amongst itself in a strange dance on el platillo, in frente de mí, ensconzando una buena auténtica. No me diga. My mentor, Agustino Manolo Mendoza de Aguilera, took up his fork and showed me, closely, how to mash up the gusanos enredado en el queso. Y pues ya no movieron ellos. 